0: A couple of things I want to mention to you, and then we're going to we'll jump into. There's a lot of things to read that were given to you today. We'll get a chance to read those and what applies to you or what you're interested in, take advantage of. A couple of things I do want to mention. Number one, on the front of your churchwide bulletin, the ivory-colored one that on the 17th of this month, two weeks from today, at 5 o'clock at the Bartlett campus, we're going to do like a winter carnival, family Christmas, both campuses together. We we uh, don't do a whole lot of things where both campuses come together, so it's kind of cool to do that, and uh, we going to have a little, a little different this year, so it's going to be kind of fun for kids, With they are going to have a cakewalk for uh, those of us that are older and uh, um, just a little carnival thing and then a kind of a choir concert and, and people from both campuses. So, anyway, if you can be there, they are going to have crafts and games and Santa and a photo photo booth. And uh, so Rhiannon has some information and some stuff in there you can read. So I really encourage you, if you can put that on your calendar, if you can be part of that on Sunday the 17th. A lot of other things going on. And there's some information in the lobby about the... Um, Galloway ministry, both the angel tree thing and some opportunities to volunteer in their store out there, so just kind of take advantage of that. We've got a help group coming up, so there's a lot of things going on. All right, turn to Haggai chapter 2, if you haven't already. If you'll notice the top of your handout, what we're going to look at today is the promise of God. As we begin to get to the end of this uh, tremendous uh, book, one of the minor prophets, the theme of this is the book of Haggai is consider your ways as the children of God, as His people. That you stop and you look, and make sure that you're doing what you do with right heart motives. That you're doing what you do because you've been changed by the person of God. In our particular instance, a relationship with God through His Son Jesus Christ. They didn't know His name would be Jesus. They just knew God was going to send a Messiah, and so. What we've been looking at as we're walking through Haggai is different things that God wants us to stop and consider, God his His wills and his priorities and what he wants. So as we wrap up this book and we transition next week into some stuff we're going to look at for Christmas, I want you to notice the top of it says, consider your God's promise. What we're going to look at today and then transition into next week and then looking at Christmas are the last two messages that Haggai the prophet, he only, he only prophesied he only spoke to the to Judah, which is the southern kingdom, after they had come back from Babylon, the, the children of Israel that were left. He spoke to them for about four months, and he had four messages to them. And God had brought them back from Babylon. If you remember the context, we've talked about it a lot over the last month. God had brought them back from 70 years of captivity in Babylon, and now Persia, they'd been owned. And they came back to absolute devastation. No temple, no city of Jerusalem, no land. They simply had come back to a wasteland and enemies. And God specifically had told them, I want you to build my temple, my house, rather than focusing on your own priorities, focus on mine and build my house as your number one priority. And the application for us as believers is God says to us, you are my house. We are are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are in the church age, the last days, from Advent number one, we celebrate at Christmas, to Advent number two, when Jesus comes back. This is the church age. This is the time of the bride of Christ. That's us. And he says to us, your number one priority in all that you do is to build my temple. Because we are the temple. We talked about us being, each person that's born again is added to that house of God, that living temple that He's building, a living stone. We are the residents of the Holy Spirit. God in us is our hope, our of glory, what awaits us. So we celebrate the birth of the Christ child, Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us. And then we're born again as we place our faith and trust in Him, and we live whatever our time frame is on the planet, and we pass it to the next generation. And the next generation We've been doing this for thousands of years. Until Jesus comes back, and we as the bride of Christ will celebrate at the marriage supper of the Lamb. And then we will eternally rule with Jesus as Messiah, our God, our Savior, our groom. We are his bride. So in Haggai, he's saying to them, focus on my priorities and build my temple. So here in chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 10. The context of this passage, chapter 10, through the end of the book, the context is it's about 500 years prior to the coming of Jesus Christ, about 520 B.C. It's literally December 18th, so it is this time of year. It's about three months since Haggai began to prophesy and to speak to the nation of Judah, the children of Israel that are left, and they are working on the temple. It's important to remember that. They are finally working on the temple. If you remember when they first came back, they worked for a couple of years and then they quit. And for 16 years, they focused on what they wanted, their own priorities. And they did not do God's will. God sends them Haggai. And now they have begun to work on the temple again. Remember that context in your mind as we look at this. So they're working, but God is saying to them, what we're going to see in this initial part of Haggai chapter 2, verses 10 through 14, God's going to give them a promise. His promise is, I'm going to bless you. Despite the fact you're not always doing this with the right heart attitude. They're working on the temple, but their attitude is not one of surrender. Their attitude is not one of, I want to do this because I'm in love with God. They're doing it with wrong, sinful attitudes, so what God is going to do is teach them a lesson and then make them a promise that my temple is so much more than this physical that you're focusing on. We talked about they were focusing on Solomon's temple, the ones who remembered it, comparing it with the rubble's temple, which is this one they're building in Haggai and saying there's no way it can be as glorious. And God had reminded them, we looked at it last week, that the reason this is glorious is because my presence is this in this The reason we we can be glorious as the church of Jesus Christ is that God indwells us. That's his glory. Who God is in our lives as we share the gospel. And so he's saying to them, my temple is so much more than the physical edifice that you are building. It's about the glory. My presence makes it great. So what he does in chapter 2, verses 10 through 14, is he gives them a couple of illustrations to teach them what he wants them to get. And then he makes him a promise. So let's begin to look at the illustration. The promise is, I'm going to bless you. Promise of blessing, despite, number one, your unclean hearts. Look at verse 10, chapter 2. On the 24th day of the ninth month, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying that Darius is the king of Medo-Persia, and that's how you can date this. The word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Now ask the priest concerning the law, saying, if one carries holy meat in the fold of his garment, and with the edge of his garment he touches bread or stew, wine or oil or any food, will it become holy? The priest answered and said, No. And Haggai said, If one is unclean because of a dead because of a dead body touches any of these, will it be unclean? The priest answered and said, It shall be unclean. Then Haggai answered and he said, So is. This is God's word to the people. This is the principle that he wants them to get. So is this people, and so is this nation before me, says the Lord. And so is every work of their hands, and what they offer there is unclean. So what he's trying to teach them is a couple of principles. Number one, holiness, we're not going to go into great detail with this because we just don't have time, but holiness is not contagious. In other words, if you had taken meat under the Levitical ceremonial law, if you took meat and you set it aside for a sacrifice and that meat touched some other meat, it didn't make that other meat holy. Does that make sense? In other words, you couldn't transfer the holiness, the commitment of that meat that you had set it aside for a sacrifice, you couldn't transfer that and just put it on another meat. That was a ceremonial principle. But the other thing is the defilement, the other principle he's laying out for them in verse 13 is that defilement of something is contagious. So if you touch the dead body, you were unclean. And then if you touch somebody else, it became what? Unclean. And I know that's somewhat confusing, but here's the deal. Here's what he's saying. You know, remember, they're Jews. Ceremonial cleanliness cannot be transferred. However, if you're unclean, it can. So he gives them the principle in verse 14. is really what I want you to focus on. Here's the principle he's trying to teach them. And we'll get as a why in a moment. Notice, he says in verse 14, so is this people. They are unclean. So is this nation. Now, hang with me for just a minute. We talked about this before, a couple of weeks ago. You will remember, notice he refers to them in verse 14 as people and nation. What's the word he uses before people and before nation? See, so if we're all, have y'all found Haggai yet? Alright, we'll make sure. So is blank people. What's the blank? What? This. So is blank nation. Okay, now we're good. This people, this nation, not what? My people. My nation. He's saying to them at this point, you're not where you need to be. You're doing the religious work of building the temple, which I told you to do. But What you're doing, notice verse 14, how he puts it. So is this people, so is this nation before me, says the Lord. So is, therefore, because they're unclean, so is every work of their hands and what they offer there is unclean. So here's God's point to them. You're doing the religious work, you're doing the holy work, but that doesn't make you holy because you're physically doing the work. It's about, and here's the focus, what I want you to take away from today. He promises to bless them, despite their unclean hearts, if they'll do something about that. In other words, I'm standing up here sharing with you the Word of God, preaching to you the truth of the Word of God. With just the very fact I open the Bible and I share with you the truth from the Word of God, does that make me holy? Could I be fake? Yes. Do you think there are preachers out there who are fake? Yes. If you hang around afterwards, I'll give you a litany and I'll give you names. <laughs> but even someone who, like, like me who's born again, who knows Jesus, and I want to come up here and share the truth of the word of God with you, it's important. The word of God is holy, right? It will change you. It's living, it's powerful, it's sharper than a two-edged sword. It can divide a soul from the spirit. It's God's truth to us to change us, to set us free, to shape us, to mold us, to prune us, to make us more like Christ, to be more effective for the kingdom. I can share that with you, but if I'm not surrendered to that, if my heart is not where it needs to be in sharing that with you, the truth is the truth. But Randy could be doing it with wrong motives For example, I could be preaching to you just to manipulate you to get money from you. Do you think preachers ever do that? Yes, they do. I could be sharing this with you just to get you to think, wow, Randy's really cool. Have a pride problem, an ego problem, a sin problem, or to get you to follow me. You could go back historically and many, many examples of false teachers and how they've done that. So, just because I'm opening the word of God and doing a good work by sharing truth does not make me holy. That's what God is trying to get them to understand. Just because you're there working on the temple, and that's a good thing, but your good works don't make you holy. For example, when we leave today, we got our black boxes at the door. Some of you have already today, and to leave today, you'll put money in the black box. Some of you will go online, and and you give to the church. But if you're doing it, with wrong motives, God's not interested in that. God loves a cheerful giver. God wants my heart to be, that I want to do that, that I want to see the temple built. Remember, the whole focus, consider your ways. The most, my number one priority as an individual, my number one priority in our home as the Lockleys, our number one priority as Christ Church, the local body that follows Jesus at Arlington Bartley Christ Church, our number one priority, the reason we exist, is to build God's temple. Some people are taught, some people have learned, some people have adopted a philosophical and a psychological and a spiritual construct where they give only because they give so that they can what? Get. I give to get. God says you give because you love. God says you give because you want to. God says you give because you cheerfully you want. Now, are we commanded to give? Yes. We should be obedient. But God wants obedience that comes from a loving heart, not a religious activity going through the motions. We take communion. just do it because we're supposed to take communion? Do, do we show up at church just because if we don't, God's going to get us? No. Do we do anything that we do in our realm as believers, holy work, good works, simply being done to buy your righteousness does not work, and it does not please God. So the principle he's trying to teach them is, you can come work on the temple, we can work on the temple, and it's holy because the very presence of God is there, but it doesn't make us holy. What God is interested in is, in, is clean, pure hearts is God's desire, not empty religious activity? Our Father wants more than anything else. And just the fact we call him when we pray, how did Jesus teach us to pray our Father? We talk about God, our Father. We're brothers and sisters. And i mentioned this many times. It's, it, they're family terms. They're relational terms. Jesus is our bridegroom. We are his bride. You can't have a more. There's no more significant relationship on planet Earth, on a physical human realm than husband and wife god wants us to understand you're my bride jesus you're my i'm going to get our place ready in the father's house Is a jewish culture the groom would do that and then a year later the bride would come and live at the father's house with the groom well we're in that time frame the church age jesus is building for his bride john 14 i'm going away i'm going to prepare a place for you and then i'll come back and get you and there we you will be with me. We will be together. We are his bride. So they're, they're relational terms. They're family terms. And he wants us to understand that. And he doesn't want us to go through the rope and the ritual and just do activity that might be holy in and of itself without the right heart attitude. So I want to do for, next, for the next few minutes is what I want us to still look at. We're not going to turn to it. We just don't have time. But I'm going to show you in the Old Testament Prophet after prophet after prophet spoke to the children of Israel, both the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, spoke to them over and over, prophet after prophet after prophet, where God spoke to them and said, stop doing this religious activity just to do the religious activity. I want your hearts. So let's start with Amos chapter 5. And again, you're not to turn to these, just Listen. God is speaking through the prophet Amos. I hate, God speaking, I despise your feast days. I do not savor your sacred assemblies. Though you offer me burnt offerings and your grain offerings, I will not accept them. Nor will I regard your fattened peace offerings. Take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not hear the melody of your stringed instruments. But let justice run down like water and righteousness like a mighty stream. Just a simple example from today. He said right here in Amos, I will not hear the melody of your stringed instruments, your guitars. I want justice. I want righteousness. I don't want to hear the noise of your songs. For example, when Randy sings, it's not good. It's painful. It's simple noise. But when Darren and them up there and that people who have talent and can sing and and it's beautiful. We want to hear those people. We, we worship together. But the truth is, God wants our hearts. We use the example. The guys show up here today. And they you know, expected Peter to be here and lead them. Marcus was, was sick, so Peter stepped into Bartlett to do that. And Darren graciously stepped in to lead here. And the others, they helped and they helped lead us. And they did lead us in worship. They're not getting paid to do that. Their hearts were in it. Now, could they be putting on a show that we don't? Of course they could. But the point is, what God wanted was not the music per se, even though he uses that. What did he want first? Justice, mercy. He wanted a heart centered on him from which out of that heart flows because God, Darren has a talent to play the guitar and sing. So God says, take that talent that I've given to you and use it for the kingdom. I don't have that talent. So I have to use other talents, other gifts that God has given to me. One of those is the gift of teaching. So should I just sit around and learn for the heck of it so I can impress people that I know things? Of course not. What I should do is I learn it. It changes me. God prunes me. God shapes me. And then I come and share, pray, Lord, I want them to hear from you. And then I share that. Hopefully my heart centered on the Holy Spirit and on simply sharing what is the truth of the word of God. That's one prophet, Amos. And the last thing he says is what God wants and not all the feast days and the assemblies and the offerings. By the way, just remember this. All of these things that Amos just mentioned, God had told them to do. That was part of the law. What he's saying is you're just doing it to do it. I don't want that. I want your sacred assemblies and I want your offerings, if what? I've got your heart first, right? I don't want you just showing up at church and doing your religious activity just to do it. I want your heart. I don't want you just playing to play. I want your heart. I don't want you just teaching to teach. so people think, ooh, he's really cool. I don't want that. I want your heart. Then you share your heart. You're Jesus in you. Get it out. Share it. I want justice and I want righteousness like a mighty stream, not self-righteousness, Christ in you. The prophet Hosea says, that was Amos. Now Hosea, I desire mercy and not sacrifice and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings, not sacrifice, not burnt offerings. What I want is for you to know me, to know me. And share me. The prophet Jeremiah. Thus says the Lord of hosts. Jeremiah chapter 7. Thus says the Lord of hosts. The God of Israel. So now to the nation of Israel God says. Add your burnt offerings to your sacrifices and eat meat. I did not speak to your fathers or command them. In the day I brought them out of the land of Egypt. Concerning burnt offerings or sacrifices. This is what I commanded them saying. Obey my voice, I will be your God, you shall be my people. I walk in in all the ways I've commanded you that it may be well with you. This is what I wanted. He gave them the law later. Yet they did not obey or incline their ear, dictates of their evil hearts, and went backward and not forward. Since the day that your fathers came out of the land of Egypt until this day, I have even sent to you all my servants, the prophets, Daily rising up early and sending them. Yet they did not obey me or incline their ear, but stiffened their neck. They did worse than their fathers. We talked about this before last year, whenever we did the series from Jeremiah. Jeremiah faithfully preached to them God's word for 50 years. That's a long time without one positive response. With Jeremiah, with the right heart, and he struggled at times. That's the beauty. He struggled. Finally, he said, it's like a fire in my bones. I've got to get it out. He had the right heart. And he shared with him what God told him to say. Amos, Hosea, Jeremiah, Isaiah. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices to me, says the Lord? I've had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed cattle. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or lambs or goats. When you come to appear before me, who has required this from your hand to trample my courts? Now notice, listen closely. Bring no more futile sacrifices. Incense is an abomination to me. The new moons, the Sabbaths, the calling of assemblies. I cannot endure iniquity and the sacred meeting. Your new moons and and your appointed feasts my soul hates. They are a trouble to me. I'm weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands, and that's a euphemism for pray. When you spread out your hands or pray, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Put away the evil of your, your doings from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Rebuke the oppressor. Defend the fatherless. Plead for the widow, all of these things God had told them to do and they were doing them with wrong motives. And God said, don't even come, don't even pray to me. I'm not listening until you decide to give me your heart. Give me your heart. Pray to me, Lord, what is your will? Pray to me, Lord, what do you want? Pray to me, Lord, how can I glorify you? Learn to do good seek justice defend the fatherless plead for the widow put away the evil of your doings in other words it's not about you it's about me god then you sharing god with others one more prophet the prophet micah with what shall i come before the lord and and how myself before and bow myself before the high god Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, ten thousand rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O man, what is good. What does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly before with your God? Please notice the hyperbole there in Micah chapter 6. Here's what he's saying. I give thousands upon thousands of rivers of oil, and that would have been a lot of money. The hyperbole. He said, what if I just all of this gave all of this to God? He said, no, no, that's not what I want. He's shown you, oh man, what is good. What does the Lord require of you? Not 10,000 rivers of oil, not thousands of rams. Here's what God wants. He wants you to do justly love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Put yourself aside. Humble yourself before God. God gives grace to the humble. He resists the proud, he tells us. Humbly give yourself to him, the sacrifices of the oil and the rams, and those things will flow from a heart that's centered on him, and God will, that's when those kind of prayers are a sweet incense to God. The other kind, he just told us he doesn't hear. Because what God wants is you first, then your service. So one last quote I want to give you, and then we're going to move on. From Matthew 23, from the lips of Jesus Christ himself, speaking to the Pharisees, the Jewish leaders, those who led the people in all religious activity, social activity, and in every way, They were their leaders. Here's what Jesus said to those people. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithes and you've neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, faith. These, justice, mercy, faith, you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. In other words, yes, you should tithe those things, but first, You should be people who are focused on the important things, justice, mercy, faith. You're hypocrites because you're just giving for people to know you give. Justice, mercy, faith, and then give. And the last thing Jesus said to them was this. Remember now, he is talking to the religious leaders of Israel. Blind guides. You strain out a gnat. And you swallow a camel. That'd be hard to do. What Jesus was saying to them, you're so hung up on the wrong things. You really look good. In that same passage in Matthew 23, Jesus said, you look really good on the outside. You look white. But on the inside, you're full of dead men's bones. On the outside, you're a whitewashed tomb. But on the inside, you're dead. Here's what God was saying to Judah and Haggai. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you. Look back now in Haggai and look at verse 15. He said, right now your hearts are unclean, but I'm the God of grace and mercy. I'm going to bless you anyway because you're going to have clean hearts. Look at verse 15. And now carefully consider from this day forward Remember, they're working from before stone was laid upon stone to the temple of the Lord. Since those days, when one came to a heap of 20 ethos, there were but 10. When one came to the wine vat to draw out 50 baths from the press, there were but 20. I struck you with blight and mildew and hail and all the labors of your hands. Yet you did not turn to me. Consider now, says it again, From this day forward, from the 24th day of the ninth month, from the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, consider this. It's the seed still in the barn, yet the vine, the fig tree, the pomegranate, and the olive tree have not yielded fruit. But from this day, I will bless you. So God gives them a reminder. I've done all I brought you back from Babylon. I did all this, and then you stopped. And We saw this already as we were looking earlier in Haggai. They did all these things. They were focused on themselves, and God began to discipline them. He just reiterated some of it here in verse 15 through 17. When you disobey me, I will discipline you. Please look at me for just a moment. How many of you have children? When your children disobey, what do you do? Say, ah, don't worry about it. You discipline them, don't you? Very simply, why? Because you love them and you want to take good care of them. You're going to take good care of them because you're a good parent. That's why the Bible says, if you as earthly fathers know to give gifts to your children, how much more does your heavenly father give good gifts? And in James, he says, he's the father. He gives good and perfect gifts. Not what I want always, but good and perfect gifts. So as earthly fathers, if we think we know what to do that's good, the Bible over and over, how much more, heavenly father? How much more, heavenly father? So here's what he's saying to them. Despite your disobedience, you didn't turn back to me. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. I will show you grace. I will show you mercy And I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you from this day forward. Look at verse 19. Again, it's the seed still in the barn. In other words, I've been holding it back from you to discipline you. The vine, the fig tree, the pomegranate, and the olive tree, they've not yielded their fruit because I had to discipline you. But from this day, I will bless you. The harvest is going to come. I love the picture of harvest in Scripture. Because how does a harvest work? You go out, you sweat, you toil, you plant, and that day you get the harvest? It's months down the road, isn't it? Months. You have to wait. Here's what God wants them to understand. You trust me. You obey me. You come to me with clean hearts. And then that Seed, and that oil the pomegranates those things I've been withholding to discipline you that's going to come I'm going to bless you you build my temple you build it and I will bless you because you're my children I'm not going to let you go but I'm also not going to let you live with unclean hearts I want you to come to me I'm going to discipline you. We're going to get that heart clean. And I'm going to bless you. Now, what's the application for us as we close this? Well, what's the number one priority for the church? Build the temple. We exist. Jesus has not come back because he's not through building the temple. We get to be part of that process. Build stones by sharing truth. Sharing truth. Living truth. We're living stones. We share... The truth, another person is saved, another stone is added. But what God wants from us is don't give, don't teach, don't serve out of just religious rote. Don't do what you do just because you're doing it. Give give me your heart, God says. Give me your heart. Seek justice, mercy, righteousness, to walk humbly before your God and see what I'll do through you. Both giving won't be an issue for you. You'll give because that's who you are. Sharing your faith won't be an issue you because you'll do it because that's just who you are. Serving somewhere. If you have a talent, you'll serve because that's who you are. God, just give me your heart. See what I'll do with it. And I will bless you. you bow your heads, please. Lord, as we think about and we're already in the middle of and our whole world is so wrapped up in a Christmas season, they're celebrating a Christ they don't even know. Use us, Father. First and foremost, with clean hearts before you, use us even as we shop and even as we celebrate Christmas, that we celebrate Christ in sharing him and being loving, being gentle, being kind, reaching out to others, seeking justice and mercy, but living humbly before you and sharing the righteousness that we have in Christ. Use us, Father. We thank you for the promise of blessing that when we have an unclean heart that we turn and we give that heart to you and you're going to bless us because we're your children. We thank you for all you have done for us in Christ. Pray we understand and share that with our world. And so as we close out our time together today, Father, and And into another week, we would excitedly go out and share the Christ of Christmas from a clean heart. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand as we sing, and if you'd like me to pray with you, I'll be down front.